1: Everybody, welcome back to all new, all different, uncanny X for podcast, where we examine the uncanny X Men comic book franchise during the nineteen eighties mutant mania through titles like Dazzler and the New Defenders*. I'm your host Jonah. I'm Dylan. I'm Nico, and I guess I've never realized how, if you say "new defenders"
0: close enough together, it sounds like "nude offenders." And that's a totally different kind of comic. It's called Sex Criminals. It's by Matt Fraction and Chip Zdarsky and it's terrific. But well, that's a totally unrelated comic that's excellent in and of itself. Hey, everybody welcome back here. We're going to talk about Dazzler finally. You know, we made a big deal about how this was launching and I'm like, right after Dark Phoenix Saga, there's going to be so much Dazzler and here we are and there has been like no much Dazzler. But here's why. It sucks. Dazzler is one of those characters who is eternally condemned to titles that don't understand her potential. It's not Not that Dazzler's writers didn't have moving units and character popularity in mind, but they weren't stepping far enough out of the normal narrative of a woman in comic books to really
1: explore who Dazzler was. I would even argue they didn't have any idea how to write a woman.
0: This is an unfortunate and frightening reality. One of the things that we discussed
1: was throughout
0: her earliest appearances... It seemed like Dazzler was always buddying up with another comic book character. That made sense. That was a great way to initiate new readers to the character. But over time, Dazzler would come into her own narrative and it was rough issues 3 to 11 which we talked about last time just uh, I don't know that they made any kind of impression as a matter of fact when I went to go set up to record this episode I thought to myself oh no there's no way that we recorded 3 through 11 I have to go back and, and check but no sure enough when I looked I was shocked because yeah as a matter of fact episode 32 was Dazzler drags along after she debuted in episode 29 and here we are episode 50 plus and it's just like wow the marvel universe has changed for us so drastically since the last time we talked about dazzler as a matter of fact i feel like our show has changed drastically we're talking about the incredible john hickman's house of x and powers of 10 runs in our thursday feed which has been an amazing experience i have these two wonderful guys along for the ride on that now, Dylan, when you came on, it was originally just to talk about Dazzler, but we had such a fucking great time. I was like, nah, nah, fuck everywhere, fuck yeah. And Jonah was like, yeah, fuck all the things. And then you came in and you and were like... And was like, yeah, fuck all the things. Exactly, I was like, fuck all the things. And then, Dylan, you came in and you were like, here's my thoughts on mutants. <laughs> and... <laughs> I-, I loved this Punch and Judy show we just did for you. So, Dylan, when you came in, it was to talk about Dazzler. How has your reading experience changed, having read over 40 or 50 books since we last talked about Dazzler?
2: It's, uh, Dazzler just needs to try harder. <laughs> It, it, <laughs> you
0: watch yourself. She's currently dead and one of them doesn't exist yet. But no, I, I I really agree. Dazzler as a title needs to try harder.
2: Yeah. I want this book to be better than what it is because I know what they were trying for of having a really strong female mutant comic and just a strong female comic in general. And this is the furthest thing from being strong for women. <laughs> I'm at a loss at words. How much I don't like this book right now.
1: I completely agree with you. The, this is a lack of a better phrase of saying it. This is not really me- intended to be a pun, but Dazzler suffers a little too heavily from sexy lamppost syndrome, and she you know, of it herself is a sexy lamppost. But you can replace Dazzler in these stories with any powerful mutant or woman in Marvel, and it still wouldn't change anything because Dazzler herself isn't that special of a character yet, I feel. It feels like this isn't Allison's story. This is much more a story that Allison happens to be
0: I completely agree. The way I like to describe it is Allison as a character isn't yet fully realized. So until then, she's a passenger in the narrative of her own story. The story is designed to propel readers to the next issue, not so much to get readers to fall in love with Dazzler. I think part of that has to do with the fact that Dazzler as a title seemed to change genres every single issue this read. To that end, today we're going to be talking about Dazzler numbers 12 through 16 by the consistent creative team of Denny Fingeroth and Frank Springer. These issues were published from February of 1982 to June of 1982, and while neither of those names are super influential on what we're going to be discussing, there is a creator of note who was working on Dazzler at this time. Nico all-time favorite Bill Sienkiewicz provided the covers for Dazzler 15 and 16. And you can absolutely see it if you take a look. There is something so special about that cover for number 15. And number 16, I feel like the image is less impressive, so I don't really blame Sienkiewicz. But anyway, I'm getting ahead of myself. I'm such a Sienkiewicz fanboy, and I just can't wait for the Claremont Sienkiewicz run on New Mutants. I'm going to keep saying his name because it took me forever to learn how to pronounce and spell Sinkevich and I want to show it off.
1: It is a very fun name to say. Sinkevich. Now Dylan, I know we've talked about how much we
0: love New Mutants and we've just started that great New Mutants feed with this amazing guy over here featuring Kyle who's been doing all of those House of X's with us. Was it fun to at least get to see Sienkiewicz's earlier work and did you recognize it as Sienkiewicz? I did
2: recognize it and yes, it is fun to see that art. Like you said, 16 is a great cover. I don't know about everything else inside the book but the cover is amazing. Now
0: Jonah, I don't know if this was your first Sienkiewicz. I think we might have seen him somewhere else maybe he appeared in an annual or something was it of note that the cover art on those two issues was strong compared to some of your notable fair criticisms of the interior art
1: yes it's almost i won't say it's maybe that far but maybe in the same vein as false advertising that the cover looks so extravagant and draws people in but your interior art nowhere near matches whether it be style or you know level as the cover
0: i am a huge fan of having as many artists as you can contribute to a title in as many ways as possible i actually don't know why we don't have more a team b team setups that are both in the same issue i love having a regular b Team as fill ins. I think that adds something to the narrative texture. I also really do like when you have a dedicated cover artist. For instance, Joe Chen is phenomenal with covers, but doesn't do too many interiors, and I would hate to lose her voice from covers just because she doesn't do interiors. I can't think of too many more misleading eras of art than when Dave McKean was doing the covers to Sandman, the kindly ones, which is my favorite arc of Sandman, and Mark Hempel was doing the interiors. (laughs) Oh my God, people had to be baffled as hell. And I just think that's an amazing example of where the carpet doesn't exactly match the drapes. But, you know, let's, while we're on the subject of weird references to anatomy, I could not help but notice that all of the hooters in this book were gigantic and off to the sides. Uh,
1: yeah, this is not me throwing shade at Springer because for the most part, his art looks pretty good, but it's a little telling. It really comes off, and especially in these issues, that I was noticing that he can't really draw a woman. Dazzler's anatomy goes all over the place and nothing really seems cohesive. And there are a lot of poses that he draws Dazzler in that are not humanly possible. And it really makes me question if Springer has ever seen a woman and if he knows how literally just humans
2: move.
0: Dylan, did you have any thoughts about the Uh, Hugest Q bosoms? Yeah,
2: they, I, when it comes to comic books, I love splash pages, but in this issue, it seemed like there was a handful of them, but they were all of Dazzler's tits, and I didn't really care for that.
0: You know, I didn't realize that the D and Dazzler stood for double D's. But that is definitely the approach they went with here. This is just straight up some cheesecake.
1: Now, I will say this. There isn't always anything wrong with cheesecake, but your character and your stories have to have substance. You can't only be eating cheesecake. You need a full diet.
0: No, and that menu is so long. It's like so many pages and there are way too many entrees and the drink menu is at least two or three pages. And Gordon Ramsay would tell them, no, 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 no more than six entrees.
1: <laughs> and why is everything like over 700 calories per one thing? And it's so dark in there. Even the outdoor ones are dark somehow. Even outside in mid daylight, they're all dark. <laughs> There's
0: always an eclipse at the Cheesecake Factory. And speaking of the light that won't go out, dazzler oh my god so when we last saw the great and mighty Allie blair she had just kind of sort of faced off against galactus kind of sort of and she had that amazing adventure with tarax and i'm oversimplifying for the sake of humor here but they're putting this poor woman through way too many things and i was surprised to see how hard they pulled the brakes on the magnitude of the stories her character had apexed to. They gave us a cosmic narrative, okay, within the first year, and then all of a sudden, we're at these very Daredevil street level fights, till the return of the fucking Enchantress, which I, I, I've I so many feels about that issue, and uh, that's how I feel about that issue. So before we go a step further, Dylan, did you feel that Allison fit the cosmic scale? Do you Feel that she fits this smaller scale. How do you feel about the greatest disco pop sensation to ever ABBA her way through Marvel?
2: I feel like at this point and after these issues. uh like you said Tazzler has been pulled in every which way and it's just kind of sad because it seems like they're trying to figure out which narrative she needs to go into but when they keep going back and forth it nothing's gonna stick and i don't see how they're gonna be able to figure out which one is best for her if they don't stay with a certain genre for a few issues like you said she's gone back and forth from Enchantress to street level to Galactus to back to street level to back to Enchantress. Pick one.
0: Absolutely. Issue 12 sees Dazzler face off against Techmaster, who is, like, the cheapest, villainiest, silliest, saddest, fakest, most lame-ass Spider-Man wannabe villain. There is nothing interesting about that villain. It's not even like, oh, man, whoever created him should be embarrassed. No, he's just very generic. Then... 13 sets Dazzler in sort of like a women-in-prison exploitation film in a way that I did not appreciate. The deep misunderstanding of the character She-Hulk in number 14 was frustrating. I appreciated number 15 trying to pull in Spider-Woman, who we had recently seen in the pages of X-Men alongside Dazzler, but nothing real came of it except Jessica Drew was kind of a bitch. To
1: Allie. Honestly, though, Allie was kind of a bitch first. There was, a—I had a few too many problems with the way Alison Blair was acting. And I understand it's dealing with this trauma of not really getting to know her mother and having a lead finally. But she kind of, I felt like she overstepped her bounds and she kind of came off like an entitled brat. I completely agree. There was something so
0: inherently catty about the way these women were written. It's as if men expected that to be the only thing strong women could do. It's hard not to rag on these issues when what we want is the best for Allison. One of the things I noticed was they were constantly trying to find ways to reduce Allison's abilities and then prop them back up again. Very Harry Potter like that. Every time he figures out some amazing, magical way to save the day, it's immediately taken from him the next book. And I felt like Dazzler was that sort of cyclical nature of growth and inhibiting, growth and inhibiting. I found myself annoyed that she she was able to like just this side of knock the fucking tech master out that seemed so absurd considering we just watched him what was it menacingly squeeze a fruit oh it was steel i'm sorry he I crushed was gonna say, steel it it and- was like
2: a paperweight <laughs>
1: i got confused i thought he just picked up a rock
0: yeah he was just like <laughs> so and then she gets in those punches and she's like wow good for me maybe i'm a fighter and i'm like girl you can do so much better your character is so powerful and self-possessed you you know it's one of the difficult things about reading these comics with hindsight i know everything that Alison blair is going to become so the inconsistency of her character here how frequently all of her concerns are reduced to her dating life dylan jonah did either 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 of you feel any great draw toward either of the boyfriends we saw here or did you both kind of you know eye roll to death that men thought that this was attractive oh my
2: god her relationship with paul (laughs) i feel like first of all i feel like her getting angry at him at that dinner thing i can't even remember which issue it was in but
0: uh it doesn't matter i didn't want that promotion anyway 12
2: yeah in in 12 that her getting angry at him i almost feel like like she had more guts and more of knowing who she was in yelling at a man instead of her actually having guts and knowing who she is most of the time when she's fighting villains.
0: I agree completely, it was so frustrating and found myself angry that she wound up with Ken. It's as if these men thought that the only thing Allison could possibly do is fall into the arms of the big strong man who saved her. Just so reductive.
1: There were just so many problems with this. At one point in the dinner with Paul, the people that they're talking with say they don't really like rock and roll, but then she suggests that they go to this, what sounds like a very alternative rock, underground punk concert that her friend's doing. Why would you suggest that? That after they called rock singers ilk, I don't know. Why do you fall in love with every single man that kind of saves you? Like Ken, who looks like Ronald McDonald. I am so confused because I feel like she could be doing better than these men. And it kind of feels like the problem with this is... They keep having Dazzler pulled out of wherever she is by magical or government means, but everyone around her is getting pissed because she can't talk about it. I don't really think that's fair.
0: Yeah, that's a consistent pattern I guess I hadn't really considered. Almost every one of her adventures involves her on her way somewhere and kind of just getting sucked into a weird adventure. And like, I know that's Petey Parker's life. That's what he does. And I know that's, you know, every time Kitty Pride goes to the mall, that's what she does. But I guess I hadn't considered every one of these Dazzler stories. Dazzler being like, I'm on my way to work. I've been abducted by God. And it is ridiculous also. And I'm sorry, but I, I'm going to die on this hill. Dazzler cannot defeat the Enchantress. <laughs> No, I'm gonna die on this hill because, like, the list of people that I feel like the Enchantress would automatically best in any story, yet... For some reason, Dazzler with I just, I don't think Dazzler could beat half the people that I know the Enchantress could defeat. I just, uh.
2: Especially this Dazzler. Like, maybe I could see current-time Dazzler in comics being able to maybe stand in a fight against Enchantress, but this Dazzler, who in almost every other issue sometimes still doesn't know what she's doing with her power... I don't think she should be able to beat Enchantress, especially with Enchantress, who I think at this time has beaten Thor and bested Loki a few times.
0: Yep, and that's really what it comes down to. I'm sorry, but if you can fuck with Thor, if your actions are so big that when you do something, Odin shows up? Nah, this is inconsistent.
1: And I think inconsistent is the best way to describe Allison right now because a lot of what I found with these books is they kind of pull the storm treatment with her in that in the way in X-Men if they need to get out of a scenario storm would throw a giant lightning bolt and zap everything and basically win the fight Allison kind of in her fights always ended it with very Large burst of light, and then that was it. Everything kind of felt like it just ended the same way. And something that really made me upset was in the Dazzler issue with Hulk, Dazzler tried a new technique with her power of creating an illusion with light, which I thought was so cool and creative and opens the door for so many different opportunities and scenarios. But every fight this issue ended the exact same way, and that was so boring. I love the dialogue we're sharing about ali's powers
0: because we know well, two thirds of us know the incredible upper echelon of what she's going to be able to reach. Here, her powers are incredible incredibly inconsistent as well there's times i feel like the dialogue is literally her and another person screaming at one another and she's like but i don't have enough power she falls on the ground and breaks a table there's clanking noises in the background and she's like, but there's no sound. The one thing I thought was really clever was getting the entire stadium as guardians to chant for her. That was pretty badass.
1: or Jessica Drew singing.
0: Okay. That one was let that, that's the one that makes it inconsistent. That's the one where I'm like, (laughs) no, cause she should always just be like, I'm stomping on shit. That one blowing you up. Like that would like, and then she's singing at the same time. I, I think that she should one man band and just turn into an atomic bomb. (laughs) Oh, 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 oh,
1: oh. now I understand not every villain is gonna be around a mutant and know what mutancy is but I feel like some of the superheroes would know what a mutant is and know what mutants are and encounter mutants why does everyone not understand that Dazzler is a mutant everyone's just like how do you do that well because Dazzler's like not telling people she's a mutant because one of the underlying
0: stories of Dazzler through to the end is Dazzler is in the closet about being a mutant but is very open for some reason about her time as a disco singer
1: well yes that those two (laughs) Should be not misconstrued and swapped. But I'm talking about like Jessica Drew and. Jen Walters why do they not assume that she's a mutant or something of similar caliber they've experienced different heroes different characters you're telling me neither of them would not make a connection or question it a little more outside of going well you don't have to tell me your secrets I mean you know this is real bad she-hulk
0: this is some real bad she-hulk and they even reference issues of x-men so you would think Jessica Drew would be like hey where do I know this chick from hanging out with those mutants Maybe she's a mole person. She has a mole. She has a mole. (laughs) Dylan, they continue to try and shoehorn in this Dazzler is a Singer thing. They keep stretching the believability of the plot to ensure that there's room for the singing storyline. Do you find that it works? Let alone, does it work for you? Do you think that this singing bit can sustain for a superhero?
2: I think it could, but I think it For all these issues that we've read so far of Dazzler, I feel like the first couple of issues, it was nice, I guess, to read. But I feel like they could write a story, like we mentioned earlier, about how every single issue is Dazzler going someplace and then getting, or going to a gig and getting kidnapped. We know she's a singer. We know that she works. I feel like... Some of the actual superhero stories could be longer if we cut out the fact that for seven or eight pages of each book we have to remind ourselves that she's a singer.
1: Yeah, I think the idea of Dazzler—I probably talked about it on the podcast before, especially when we first met her—that the idea of a superhero who kind of gets thrust into situations to save the day is kind of cool, especially if they're trying to balance the life of being a superhero and being trying to be a pop star. But it feels like they're trying to have their cake and eat it too but they're not fully eating either cake they're kind of leaving too many pieces for somebody else to use
0: speaking of cake i don't think we can get through this episode without talking about the unsung hero of dazzler at this point i've read something like 20 issues for dazzler and nothing compares to the several pages i got of pound cakes pound cakes (laughs) dylan were you quite as enamored of pound cakes as we were
2: (laughs) um it's funny but i think slightly (laughs) unneeded to me it just takes away from more superhero stories that need to be in the book instead of pound cake and reminding us that she's a singer and reminding us that she has to take 20 minutes to put her makeup on but her name is pound
0: cake you know what dylan i know you answered that question the best you could but i think next time you need to try harder Hey everybody, Nico here. Sometimes it can be so much fun discussing the material on the page that we forget to talk about the actions behind the pen that created the series we're discussing. For instance, while it's a lot of fun to talk about Dazzler's disco origins, it's also important to note her actual creative origin. John Romita Jr., who would do the original concept on Dazzler, had intended her to be based on Grace Jones. A decision at Marvel was to make her a bit more accessible, and instead they pivoted toward Bo Derek. While Bo Derek's ten look is forever iconic. Grace Jones is still actively creating art, and is still a prominent member of the queer community and queer scene, having recently presided over a Fashion Week event around the time of Pride. So, Grace Jones, Pride, Gay, Dazzler, it all kind of goes hand in hand. What's also interesting is that Dazzler wasn't just created around the idea of music. Dazzler was created literally, explicitly, around the idea of music. Originally, Dazzler was a character that the Marvel team wanted to design. Marvel had been trying to figure out how to make a disco queen character work, and when Casablanca Records said they were looking for a character, it worked out perfectly. Except, it never quite worked out. The series was cancelled upwards of five times before it ever launched, and the folks at Casablanca Records were not eager to work with everyone (laughs) that had their hands on Dazzler. We had initially questioned the inclusion of all of those other heroes. It turns out, it was at the behest of Casablanca Records who were looking to make sure as many heroes could tie in as possible. The creative team even looks back and talks about the bizarre pacing and how it had to be created in order to fulfill the needs of Casablanca Records. For example, the creative team finally remembers that that first two-part story was a pacing nightmare coming down to the Marvel heroes actually only fighting for one page. Absolutely bizarre. It is of note that the original art for Dazzler Grace Jones does exist on the internet and can be found. Dazzler is as fascinating a character for her origins as she is for how she appears on the page. And here at Exes for Podcast, we are definitely Dazz fans all the way. Guys, it's been great talking about Dazzler with you and these five silly pointless issues. So until next time, guys, this has been great. Do you have any thoughts on what you're hoping for from the upcoming Dazzler Angel team up? Which as if they
1: couldn't have figured out something that would irritate this show more. Well, I'm kind of assuming they're going to fuck and I'm going to assume that Warren's going to pay for things or offer to and Allison be like, no, I can't take anything from you. Judge Carter would never allow me to do that because I feel like she doesn't call her dad dad. She just calls him Judge Carter. And I don't know. I guess I'm just expecting that. Maybe maybe he'll get her a gig at the Hellfire Club again, kind of. That would be kind of cool, maybe. I don't know. I don't have a lot of hope and I don't have a lot of expectations. So the bar is so low. It's almost as low. Oh, as the notes dazzler or Jessica Drew can hit mm-hmm. Ooh, wow. now Dylan
0: Dylan you I don't think is this your? will this be your first angel story with us
2: uh no he was in the champions wasn't he
0: oh contest the champions
2: yeah where he thought that he hot
1: flying superheroes
2: yes yes
0: are you excited to see everybody's favorite winged wonder
2: sure like Jonah said it's The fact that we know that a man is going to be in another book or in the next Dazzler book automatically makes it be that Dazzler is going to fall in love with him. So I'm probably not excited because I don't want to see Dazzler fawning over men and them get excited like Paul did. And even though he was angry with her, sleep with her and then leave and then the next date break up with her. Anyway, sorry.
0: Well, hey, at least there's finally a reason that this is Dazzler and the Dazzling Defenders. There's the connection almost. And then later on, she's going to bang Beast. So it's just everything you could ever want.
1: But noticeably, not Bobby. No, no.
2: Hmm. I wonder why.
0: No. Well, it's because of Opal Tanaka. It's oh, so Opal. I, lo- I love Opal. I love Opal Tanaka. That's Bobby's long-term girlfriend. His beard? No, no, there's Trish Tilby, Candy Southern, and Opal Tanaka.
2: Opal's the one that years later makes him think that she had a kid with him, right?
1: Yes. Okay. Oh, so Bobby's not a gold star. Okay. No,
0: far from. But until we come back to earn our gold stars and finally take a look at the Defenders half of this shit, Where can everybody find you online, Dylan?
2: Everyone can find me on my Facebook group. That was the first one to have the name House of X. And you could also find me on Instagram at Warpath underscore Dylan. Where can everyone find you, Jonah? Tremendous. I stole that.
1: (laughs) (laughs) You should see our face right now. We got so excited. We thought that was great. (laughs)
0: <laughs> How shocking. I had to brace for
1: impact. Uh, you can find me in Rikers Prison starting my own wrestling group slash band of mercenaries because, you know, those occupations go hand in hand. You can also find me online on Twitter and Instagram at Jonah Rubino and at Jonah.Rubino. Nico, where can everybody find you?
0: Writing my pilot for Orange is the New Blacklist, I guess. So... You guys can find me all over this amazing network on shows like Now and Again, which I do with my childhood best friend Chris Podcast, where we talk about pop music by using the Now, that's what I call music series, in order. We are currently somewhere in the 20s. We have not moved in months. It's been a journey. So you guys can check me out over on HTML with my amazing husband, Kevo, who appears on this show on the Miracle Man and Captain Britain segments, where we talk about movie franchises. We've talked about the Marvel Cinematic Universe, the Fox Marvelverse, and we've talked about the Alien franchise, and we're having a great time. Don't forget to check me out on Instagram at NicoAction, and I see I-C-T-I-O-N. And until then, guys, we'll be pretending we're not mutants trying to get uh, music gigs.
2: See ya. Adios.